All right. Hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan, Josh. Hello, everyone. Marcelo. Hey, everyone. And we have the return of little Josh. How are you doing today, Josh? <laughs> Pretty good. How about yourself? Good. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Merry Christmas. We're doing this uh, in advance. So not live stream today, but in the spirit of Christmas, we're going to talk about things like uh, the NSA and whistleblowing. So today we're going to be discussing whistleblowing and the free press. The question driving today's discussion, is it in danger? So the U.S. has a history of going after journalists and citizens who report on sensitive information. And the most recent big ticket would be uh, Julian Song, who faces imprisonment. We also had Edward Snowden a number of years back, who fled the country as a wanted fugitive. So really, does the U.S. government have a right to go after whistleblowers, or does that violate the First Amendment? And we're going to get to that right after announcements. So, Lil Josh, where can they find us on social media? So, right, uh, they can find us on all sorts of social media. We have an Instagram, Facebook page, Twitter, YouTube channel, and a TikTok. And like normally, we uh, try to stream on noon central, but as it has the holiday season keeping us all busy so we're a little bit off you know particular live streaming schedule we're still getting episodes out that's why we're here that's why we're doing it and we do have live videos we always love to have you come and join us you can ask questions in the chat there and see if we can answer them engage with us in different ways always great to see and the continual promotion of our stuff on redbubble um, you can find it with the logo that you see behind all of us now there and get it printed on all kinds of things and so again to pass it off to marcella tell us about the fantastic music you've all just heard yes so the new music as always is courtesy of Andrew Hensley over at Secret Spike Studio, 865 Audio. And he, the single's out. He's got a new, hot new single out titled Misty. It's available now on all major streaming platforms. And so please check it out and, and support him. All right. So before we get into kind of the overview of what is going on with Julian Assange, we need to draw a distinction between what is a journalist and what is a whistleblower. So a whistleblower is going to be someone who blows the whistle, obviously. Uh, but basically, they disclose information. Usually they were within the organization and they, ha they are privy to that information and then they release it to the public. And the public is not usually privy to that information. So that is especially true for Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden worked for uh, the NSA and a num number of other organizations as kind of like an independent contractor. And so he was the one who was aware that the government was using resources for many things, one of them being to spy on their own citizens. So when he leaked that information to the public, that was a whistleblower. Journalists, on the other hand, and that's usually what Julian Assange is classified as. And I think Josh Hendricks is probably going to talk a little bit about where that differs. Uh, but journalism, it should just be they are investigating on the situation and coming across information. Usually they're going to be an outsider, not so much from the inside. So that's probably the biggest distinction. Are there any other distinctions that we need to make before we move into kind of the overview? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, I'll hand it over to little Josh then. Who Who is Julian Assange for those who might not be familiar? Uh, so he is the co-founder of WikiLeaks. So if you ever want to like look at government documents and stuff, it's basically like a Wikipedia of leaked information, essentially. And he's the founder of that. He has been indicted on 17 counts of violating the Espionage Act for his role in obtaining and publishing secret military and diplomatic documents in 2010. He did help publish. He wasn't the original publisher of like Snowden stuff, but getting into like Chelsea Manning, who was an army operative, uh, they leaked her documents that she gave out over 750 thousand files the doj is alleging a few other things they're trying to say that he's like breaking passwords but like no one's going to try to you know prosecute for that it's not a very hectic subject it's not you know trying to guess a password it's not high crime and misdemeanor compared to like the rest of the stuff he's facing right now but what's really important about julian Assange now is that british court has ruled that he can be extradited to the united states before they were giving him diplomatic immunity they're like no he's you know you know he's a he's a journalist right you don't just uh, extradite journalists for reporting on bad things that the government does Biden administration 
Commission is going to attempt to prosecute him coming off of the 2012 publication of Collateral Murder. Basically, the U.S. military committed a lot of very bad attacks in Iraq and Afghanistan, and he was the original person to post that, which I think Marcelo knows a little bit more about. Yeah, well, so basically, uh, I don't think uh, Julian has a lot of fans inside of the White House or the administration on either side. I feel like he, I mean, as the government is right now, they're probably not very happy with what he did. So Mitch McConnell has not said very nice things about him, a high-tech terrorist, as he calls him. And Hillary Clinton, who was the target of the 2016 WikiLeaks, um, said basically that he needs to answer for what he's done. And he could be extradited to the U.S. to face prosecution by the DOJ. And in general, there's some charges of engaging in a hacking conspiracy uh, with Chelsea Manning, who we'll, I'm sure uh, we'll talk about her in a second, too. So the other character arc about Assange's background is that while WikiLeaks operated as a place, you know, that got documents and then released classified government documents, over time, it changed, or at least he did, and what he was willing to publish and where he was uh, willing to get his information from. Because when we saw during the 2016 election of him releasing um, Hillary Clinton's emails in one, a very strategic fashion, did he just dump all of her emails for one big bunch for everyone to sort through? No. He did these weekly or bi-weekly jumps up and throughout the election to keep it a big news story to develop the most impactful media you know, story about it to make it this one big recurring story by slowly releasing the emails. We also know from our own government's investigations of the 2016 Russian um, interference that the emails he got that he leaked from the DNC and Hillary Clinton were provided by the Russian intelligence service, that they were the ones who performed the hack and they gave him the data for it to release like that. And while we can think, you know, about this in the instance of it being related to the government, this is also the DNC, which is just a private entity, the same as the GOP. And so this wasn't some government Thing, and it was quite a partisan act by a foreign country to retrieve certain data and then his willingness to use his company and his publication as a tool to essentially promote the propaganda that the Russians were already pumping in through social media and other channels that we you know, saw so much in 2016. Uh, we also know that the Trump campaign um, directly communicated with Julian to pass along information to see if he had any more information he could release or particular types of information they were looking for. And we also know that there's a real high um, chance that Assange was also directly communicating with the um, hacker who produced the attacks on the DNC and several other government institutions. And so while he is just at some, you know, at some point of time, he may have just been a character of publishing government documents. He became a character of publishing documents on behalf in favor for, you know, the Russian government to essentially help be an arm of their propaganda campaign. So he's a very odd journalist because at some levels he just reported what he got from people who leaked documents from him from inside the United States government to then publishing documents that was provided to him by a foreign country with the intent to disrupt one of our elections. Okay, so now we're going to cover Edward Snowden, uh, who's a little bit more classified as a whistleblower rather than uh, the alleged journalist. So uh, just like I mentioned before, Snowden was a subcontractor for the CIA. He did like a lot of computer tech stuff for them. And he revealed numerous global surveillance programs run by the NSA. And it is important to note, and this is what does make him um, a whistleblower. He first went through the initial channels. So to his immediate supervisor and his supervisor above his supervisor saying, this is problematic. We need to handle this. And they 
they refused to do anything on it. It might have been for security reasons. It might have been because that was the way that they were going to do it regardless. And that was when he went outside and leaked those documents to the public. As a result of that, becomes a wanted man by the United States, and he fled to Hong Kong in 2013. And the Department of Justice at that time then unsealed charges against him for two counts of violating the Espionage Act of 1917 and also for theft of government property. And then the U.S. revoked his passport, which is where he got detained in Russia because his passport turned up as obviously revoked. So Edward Snowden then um, has, to my knowledge, stayed outside the country, obviously, because if he steps back (laughs) on American soil, uh, he's going to be imprisoned. And then the last person we need to cover is Chelsea Manning. And I'll give that to little Josh. So a little bit of an update also on Snowden to tag in at the end of that. Uh, He has applied for Russian citizenship to basically stay there. Uh, He for like two years before even the Russians were like, yeah, I guess you can stay. Like he was just kind of like hanging out in this airport for a while. Uh, Chelsea Manning is a different story though. Chelsea Manning was an army soldier. So they were like an enlisted soldier within the United States military who was an intelligence operative who was assigned to Iraq. They leaked the Baghdad diary is what it's commonly referred to as. And it regarded information in causing things like drone strikes that, you know, hit civilian populations. It was a pretty big thing that we saw throughout President Obama's tenure was that drone strikes were commonly used and they commonly did kill civilians. So she leaked 750,000 documents to WikiLeaks. Uh, so that's where that tie-in with Assan comes in. So like Assan, yeah, he has his things with Russia, but even before this, almost you know six years before, uh, he was given these documents and he published them. Now, Manning wasn't able to escape the country, so uh, she was court-martialed by the U.S. military and faced the death penalty for, like, aiding the enemy is what they called it. Essentially, it's one of, you know, the highest crimes that you can commit. She was eventually convicted on 21 charges. Uh, She was sentenced to 35 years in prison. However, President Obama commuted that sentence, and she was released in 2017. So she's out of prison now. Uh, She ran for a Congress position in Kansas and failed at, like, an 80% to 5% vote. So she's still around. And she's still talking about these things as well. The last thing we're going to need to cover just before we can get in our discussion, just to fully catch up our our listeners, is going to be the WikiLeaks, what they are, what they've done. Uh, Marcella, you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Yep. So WikiLeaks, uh, I'm sure as most of the people who were in, into this when the story broke out in 2016, uh, it's basically this website that had a bunch of well leaks, uh, had a bunch of emails, um, especially Hillary Clinton's emails in 2016. They kept pumping them out. I'm pretty sure, like in little tidbits and certain times of the day, and it was sort of like very media driven because obviously this is secret information, so the media was paying a lot of attention to this. It leaked thousands of State Department cables, military files, you know, by the former Army intelligence by, by Chelsea Manning, and obviously this is not new. Like we have seen cases where this leaking has happened before, like the New York Times publishing the Pentagon Papers in 1971. Uh, and uh, But we've seen episodes of this happen in the past. Um, and in this case, you know, with, with uh, Julian Assange, Barack Obama has tried to punish him and Mike Pompeo had a, has had a, a plot to to kill him for for, for some reason, I, I think. In, in, in these cases, we've seen like the retaliation get, you know, very extreme into what they, these public figures are trying to say about this person who leaks some information that, yeah, of course, I think to a certain extent is a national security risk, but it's also maybe you shouldn't go on TV saying that you're going to kill him. Right? <laughs> bit of discretion there. <laughs> that might be asking and, too much, Marcelo, to have politicians and other leaders have some discretion. I don't know. <laughs> and 
to put into perspective for those of you who don't know who Mike Pompeo is, under Trump, he was head of the CIA. So it, this isn't just some random, you know, talk show host. It, it, it was a government official and one of the highest offices that is held. So that does bring us to our driving question for today's episode. Should the weight of the federal government be mobilized against the press or citizens who are whistleblowing? And one thing that drives this question as well is that it is potentially right for politicization. So let's take this point by point. So we've got, should it be mobilized against the press? Because you've got like the establishment media, and then you've also got citizens like we've seen here. And then we've got a song who kind of falls in between the two. I'll kick it to the group for your thoughts on that. I think there's a responsible way for the press itself to ask. It's, it's very understandable for Whistleblower to have a one-shot chance to come in, grab a whole bunch of information, and get out of there because there's going to be security systems monitoring for file movement activity like that. And so, however you get those, you know, that information out, you may not have too much discretion in what you just grab and get. You just, you know, you grab what you know you need, and then you want out of there. So. I think when they come to the press and if they go to, you know, a reputable press or, or, you know, press organization and hand this document over and saying, hey, I need to report on this bad conduct of the government, then they have an, an editorial obligation to say, well, maybe there are, doc, you know, things in here that are going to get people killed, like information on other intelligence assets, troop movements or positions or some other strategic information like that. Yeah. Then, you know, the press should, you know, be diligent in its behavior there. But because that's one of thing it comes down to of like, what did they whistle? blow about. The prison program that Edward Snowden alerted the public to that the government was conducting this mass surveillance that in all for all intensive purposes used the Patriot Act to make the Fourth Amendment not seem like it was real. That's worthwhile to know that our government's doing. And then I think, you know, he was aided by that by going to these sources versus, you know, Assange, who's just willing to be like, nah, here's a whole bunch of information that could potentially do whatever. I don't care. Here it is. Ta-da. I think that those are two different practices. And so how we let the government Act should be guided by how they first brought about this issue and their diligence in that. There is a really big difference, like you said, between journalists leaking, well, not leaking, I guess it's already leaked, but your journalists like releasing information to the public that they have vetted before. Like in the documentary, like Citizen 4, you see how they like spend months pouring over the pages and making sure that all of the information that they end up releasing is not outright harmful or like outright could present a national security risk. So they, they take their time and they're like, okay, you know, if we're going to do this, we have to do it right. We have to do it well, we have to do it slowly. A very different approach than what, what Julian did, which was basically like releasing everything at once and just, you know, just doing everything, which in some ways, and I want to get, you know, the group's thoughts on this, it, you, if you have an unfiltered bunch of emails, you're going to get, you know, good stuff, right? You're going to get probably a bunch of things that could have gotten vetted before, perhaps, but you also have that risk that it's like, well, you know, it's sort of like erratic and without any regard for like safety or whatever to, to release everything at once without even vetting it. I agree with, with both of you, um, particularly what Josh said a moment ago about how it really depends on what is being released, right? Because when we saw the documents that were leaked by a song, it seems to me, at least from what I'm aware of what has been leaked, that those are important things for the people to know as well as for Snowden. Like, it's it's important for us to know what our government is doing. You know, if you're committing war crimes and, you know, you don't want the public to know about that for an image, 
then that's completely different than, you know, if we're releasing troop movements, like you'd mentioned also, Josh. So I, I think that it's important that the people who are going to leak this information use caution when doing so. But I think for a whistleblower, it's especially important that they be protected with the caveat, we need to know what they're releasing. I don't know. You do have the political polarization there as well. When you have, you know, Hillary Clinton's emails leaked, it's important that we know that the, you know, Secretary of State is not doing things by the book. You bring in the timing and it's it's done at a time that's obviously going to make them take a hit during a presidential election. That's clearly political, the timing and the manner in which those were released. But broad, broad overview, I think it's important that, you know, the government is held accountable to the people who put them into office. So to answer this question, because I think it has to be an absolute, I don't think that it should be a thing where we make caveats because looking at like the question of the thought, should they at least attempt to use their force, their jurisdiction in regards to the press? No, never. They should not be tried for publishing this information. I think the First Amendment has given that right to the press to be able to leak this information and to make it well known. Because, you know, if The Guardian publishes uh, Snowden's papers and they're like, look, this is happening. Well, then the New York Times and the LA Times publishes on it. And then, you know, you get your local newspaper talking about it. It comes to the point where do you just punish the first person or do you punish everyone after who's ever talked about this, which you're not going to get. The freedom of speech is within that. However, with whistleblowers, even if I, I think Edward Snowden was correct in what he did, and I think it was good for the federal government, I think he should stand trial for taking that government information and going above the chain of command that he already had. Whether or not a jury convicts them or not, I think there needs to be a jury that actually takes place. I think we need to have that trial. Because if it's a per issue, but Ryan was talking about where it only becomes politicized, you know, it, it becomes in every single instance, we're going to look at this as to, well, who does it harm? Well, do I like this person? No. Or do I like this person? Yes. So I think to, to summarize that the press should not be tried for reporting on news, but the citizens who are whistleblowing should face trial for that, whether they're convicted or not. See, so to me, opening that up for them to go to trial, with just a blanket statement, if you blew the whistle, you've leaked documents, therefore you're going to be labeled as a traitor, branded as a traitor. To me, then that almost seems like you're putting them in the position to be tried for something that the federal government ultimately failed them at. Like Snowden leaked the documents because the chain of command refused to comply with what was moral and what was legal for them to do. Like they were outside those scope and he went to them and said, we can't be doing this. This is unacceptable. And they just continued status quo. So then in a sense, because he was in a position of power to change the system, he had to apply external pressure. And by doing that, what troubles me there is that it's not the people who were perpetuating a problematic status quo that are on trial, it's the people who exposed them. I think there need to be those safeguards in place to prevent situations where just all information is no longer classified, right? Like obviously some things need to be classified. And getting into the morality of it though is why I think there needs to be a trial. Because we're always we're assumed innocent until proven guilty. And we've seen instances of where juries are like, you know, this guy obviously did it, right? Like you look at like uh, parents of like child molesters who go in and like kill that, the perpetrator of that crime. Juries are like, yeah, you know, the dude admitted to it, but we're not going to convict him. And I think that having these people not stand trial, I don't know what that looks like. You know, like, are you just going to say, okay, you're a whistleblower. 
don't do it again. Or like, even if you fire them, right? Like, I mean, it, it kind of feels like you need to have a trial for this because it is a crime. Because if it's not a crime, then we have no secrets and every government needs some sort of secrets. I mean, I think, I think it, it still comes down to the impact of it. You steal the documents, you procedural with it, you careful about it, or, or are you not? Do you publish things that are going to get people hurt or just make the country look bad and be embarrassed that it's breaking its own laws and not holding up to its own standards? Because in some like, senses, like if there's a scuffle outside our restaurant and the police officer sees one guy, you know, trying to calm everything down and this other guy comes up and takes a swing at him and the other guy takes a swing back at him, there doesn't necessarily need to be a trial there. Everyone understood what happened there. And so sometimes we have to look at, you know, what, you know, what is going on? Because if someone's coming out and releasing, you know, this mass information that our government's surveilling on us and, you know, taking away a lot of what is guaranteed in our constitution, then they should not be on trial because they should be considered, you know, heroes of the Republic who are willing to say, yeah, what we're doing is wrong and I'm not going to be a part of it. I will be a vocal opposition of it. And then to di- we would, you know, to say they always need to stay in trial would to me be to heavily discourage anyone from ever speaking out when the chain of command refuses to budge. Because sometimes you just got to tell chain of command no, because it's not perfect. It's flawed and it's full of humans. And so sometimes you got to do what's right. I think especially because one of our previous episodes with TJ, he talked about how um, jury is more the fact finders, right? So they would be looking at, did this happen or did it not? And then usually that boils down to the prosecution of, are we going to go forward with these charges or not? And the prosecution, in this case, if you're going with the Department of Justice, they're instated by the president of the United States, which means that, you know, we have seen in the past selective prosecution of crimes. um, And not that all of these bear the same weight, but because the Department of Justice is headed by the president, then you do see the Department of Justice selectively going after people because they made the sitting administration look bad. I think that that opens up that threat a whole lot more if we're being selective, though, too. So just to pose a question, would you rather them be selective and then the federal government pick and choose who even goes to trial? Because they're going to go to trial. Some people are going to go to trial, right? Like no matter what. Or would you rather have the blanket statement that's kind of also the status quo now of, no, you're going to go to trial. It's just a matter of whether you'll be we cut you off there at the last second, Josh. Or your internet did. Not us. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> You're being silent, uh, tra- Josh. <laughs> Carter Spectrum is uh, against freedom of speech. Uh, I hate him. So like, should the government be able to selectively pick and choose who goes to trial for whistleblowing? Or should there just be a blanket statement of, okay, you're going to go to trial for this and we'll just see how it plays out? Because I think one, it has a much higher chance of being abused than the other. To me, the picking and choosing should be, did they leak documents that were threatening to national security? Not did they report on the government itself, right? Because when we look at the Snowden case and we look at the WikiLeaks, to my knowledge, there was no information that was actually harmful. The government there gets to pick and choose what is considered classified. So yes, some classified documents were released, but they weren't threatening to national security. So like that's an important distinction to make. If it's threatening to national security, the leaking of that information, for example, troop movements, then let them go to trial. Outside of that, though, it seems like it's being picked and chosen based off of a political agenda. Did they make us look bad as opposed to was this actually a threat? If you threaten the national security by leaking sensitive information that's actually harmful to 
citizens, military, things like that, as opposed to the sitting heads of government because they deemed it classified and it wasn't harmful, then to me, that just shouldn't go to trial, period. Like Snowden shouldn't have gone to trial because the information he leaked didn't actually contain truly classified information that was harmful to or threatening to security itself. Uh, I believe that harm to American citizens is subjective because just troop movements is not the only thing that's classified. And looking at the Patriot Act and I forget what the opera, I think it's Operation Blackbird is the name of like what happened with Snowden and stuff and the intense government spying. If criminals do not know, like if terrorists within, you know, the United States do not know that there is government spying on everyone, essentially, they are probably going to be more open to sharing information in channels that are being monitored. After Snowden, these people are now aware that every single move they make is monitored, right? So they might move that information to a place where we can't see it now. And I think that is inherently dangerous, as well as like that harm being subjective. Uh, I, I believe that any harm that can be received from these classified information will be received. You know, we have to look at this as a whole. You can't just cherry pick which ones are and are not prosecuted. I feel like with this, I hate this as much as you do, believe me, but I, I hate trying, having to advocate for more trials here or to even use the judicial system. But I feel just like Josh, little Josh said, is that if, if you try to like limit it to national security risk and to even define if it goes to trial or not, I feel like there can be some very good lawyers who can either label nothing as the security risk or everything as a security risk. They're like, okay, you know, yeah. Like how many USPS trucks do we have? Yeah, that's a security risk because it tracks all of our mail. So, you know, boom, trial for you. This is not to say that I'm advocating for everyone being into trial because I also think that even by sending them to trial in the first place, you're like embodying the tried by the system. Like the system is putting you on trial and the system is deciding if you are guilty or innocent, which is, you know, we should have for the most part believe that the system works even if it doesn't many times. But I'm just going to say that most people who go to trial end up being like if you're innocent then you know there was something something went wrong and you know you're free and if you go to trial and you're guilty then the system was regular against you and you know you were going to be guilty anyways you were going to end up there so I'll, I'll go back to what little josh was saying i i agree with what you said about it needing to be blank and not cherry picking because i think one of the big problems is that they are cherry picking but i'm still I, i'm not going to agree that they need to go to trial because i think that at the end of the trial you either have the jury activism where they just, they're like, yes, he or she is guilty, but we acquit them anyway, as opposed to, because at the end of a trial, what does the jury find? They either whistle blew or they didn't. And so to me, the big problem is that the fourth amendment was violated. So like, especially for whistleblowers who are within the system and who are a citizen, first and foremost, right? Like you are a citizen of the United States, fourth amendment protects your rights as a citizen. And if the federal government is encroaching on that, then to me, that needs to be priority number one, if we're going to go to trial, not did someone expose that or not. I do understand the gleaning of important information when it comes to um, like channels of communication, those being moved. But at the same time, if it's violating the rights of everyday citizens, then to me, like that isn't justified. And so whistleblowing shouldn't be put on trial if we expose that because the federal government is already encroaching on on your constitutional rights at that point. And especially when the federal government's encroachment on people's rights doesn't have the best track record of A, working or B, being a good thing in the first place. To like think about the TSA. After 9/11 happens, we all go through when we put in the TSA. How many terrorist attacks have the TSA stopped? Does anyone in the room know the answer? 
Zero. None. Absolutely nothing. The TSA has done. Not a zilch, not a zilch. It just exists to do pat-downs at an airport. And so, at some level, like, sure, maybe the NSA has some mass surveillance program, but there's no guarantee that it necessarily impacts out to that they're going to be, you know, helpful to the public. I think it's also worth, like, noting that this just assumes that the government will be consistently acting, you know, in benevolent fashions and won't use this information for their own regards. Like, you know, the government especially in the terms of like privacy and now in the digital era and data collection and mass surveillance, the ability for the government to basically control and monitor every aspect of people's lives is more dangerous than, you know, almost any terrorist attack could nearly end up being. I think you put in a very important red herring and false equivalency there, that the TSA is the same as the CIA or the NSA or the FBI, because the the TSA, their primary goal isn't to stop terrorist attacks. The FBI's primary purpose is to stop domestic terrorist attacks. The CIA's is to prevent those from foreign actors. U.S. military can prevent terrorist attacks. But right, when we look at terrorist attacks, very few of them come within the United States. And most of them are homegrown domestic terrorists. How many terrorists go into an airport, go through TSA to then attack? And I think that's important. Most terror attacks happen in other parts of the world where they're essentially active war zones. Take a look at uh, at the end or at the beginning of uh, Biden's presidency where you had the suicide bomber in Kabul at that airport, right? So even if you know Kabul had the TSA, it wouldn't have stopped that terror attack. Why? Because it happened outside. We have to look at the geography of where terror occurs to say whether these things are effective or not. Now, to speak on to the effectiveness- The government's willing to use and keep using the TSA, knowing everything that you just said, that all the terrorist attacks are outside of our, that territory and that primary form of terrorist attack won't work. But the waste of all of that money invading everyone's privacy because the government isn't a benevolent actor. They'll take everyone's money, waste it on the TSA, knowing that it's not protecting us from anyone's threats, and we're expected to trust them with a mass surveillance system. The probability that. is that most terror attacks do not occur in those places. Now, the reason as to why is, is different because terror terror is a very complex subject to get into where different attacks happen for different reasons but to say that you know the TSA is a failing organization then why do we have the DMV and things of that nature when it doesn't stop drunk drivers or it doesn't stop people speeding right that's not its primary goal its primary goal is to make sure you don't bring a gun on a, on a plane and i think that's a noble enough cause to justify us giving them some money whether that should be funded you know ex- exclusively from taxpayers or from you know private airlines is another conversation but i think that we're moving off the topic of the cia and whether or not they should be able to do this to the tsa are they you know just a bunch of people in suits or are they actually doing something so if i understood kind of the summary of your arguments from earlier little josh it's that we need to do more prosecution so that it's more consistent, like you're trying to solve the issue of inconsistency. So that is not the way that I would have thought to solve that. I I think that's an interesting proposal. So another concept that you have with like wiretaps and stuff is uh, the FISA court. So uh, this is kind of like, it kind of gets into like a tinfoil hat when I say it out loud, but just hear me out on this. FISA is a secret court that the United States has that gives the jurisdiction and the warrants for the federal government to wiretap certain individuals and to like spy on their privacy. These are judges that are appointed only by the Chief Justice. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts is the person who's appointing them now. Uh, Judges sit on a rotating basis uh, for seven years, uh, and normally they'll go in for like a week at a time. So like uh, there was a judge in Kentucky who came and talked to uh, the mock trial team, and he was like, yeah, I was on this court. And for like a week a month, or a week every couple of months, they would send you to DC. And then all of the sort of federal, like, can we wiretap and stuff goes through an actual judge. Now, these are federally appointed judges, but like, it's not like these 
these things are not without constitutional ramifications. Like these are judges they know and they're approving these warrants. Now, of course, the government spying on us is a different case, but like there are channels for this to go through. I think it's also important um, since we're going from kind of like the circumvention of your rights. Patriot Act came about right after 9-11 and it was because they were most worried about having another terror attack that's going to decimate the country like they just had. And in times of war and in times of crisis, that's warranted, right? Because that's kind of this triggering mechanism. The problem that I have and why I wouldn't be quite on board uh, with Will Josh's idea of more prosecution is because there, <laughs> government is the one thing that lasts for all of eternity, right? Like they put these motions or these circumventions of rights into motion and then there's no sunset on them. Like it never goes away. Government spending never goes away. And so the, the fact that there's not like a limiting clause other than the government itself, like it's kind of answering to itself, that's troubling to me and why I wouldn't want more people put on trial because that's kind of the situation that they they would be on even though i would acknowledge you know if you started having a bunch of people whistleblowing yeah more information just just by the sheer volume of information that could be leaked you could have more sensitive information and it does go beyond even just military movements but to me the main issue here is the overstepping of citizens rights by the government rather than the whistleblowing itself I think citizens have the exact same amount of capability to become terrorists as a student in Iraq or a religious fundamentalist there or a narco-terrorist south of the border, right? Like, I think just being a U.S. citizen does not exempt you from this, which is why, like, the NSA also spies on other governments. Like, they had a big deal with, like, Angela Merkel, where she was like, don't spy on me. And they were like, yeah, we're going to spy on you. Like, get over it. So that would be my response to that, is that any, anyone's capable of being a terrorist, and I think that it, you should be able to check on them. So then you're guilty until you're proven innocent. No, if you're right. If, if, if the operation of the government is that everyone is capable of being a terrorist at an equal proportion amount, then that is saying the government's operating uh, Mirandis is guilty until proven innocent, because we have a, a right to spy and check in on everyone to make sure that they're not these things, because they no longer have any claims to privacy, because we can wiretap or do ever want their phone because they have this equal opportunity of becoming a terrorist because everyone is guilty until proven innocent. Now, that would be the minority report, which I'm also fully for advocating for. I think that we should stop crimes before they happen because I think it sounds fun. But essentially, I think that you know one of the things that we have to look at is, is the information they collect worth what the alternative would be. And they're collecting emails and stuff. And when we say collected, yeah, I mean, that's essentially what it is. It's put in a box somewhere on some PC where it doesn't get touched unless it, if you cross out some keywords. Like if uh, we had a guy and that's how you get on like no fly list and stuff. We had a guy in my counterterrorism and insurgency class where he was in the military and he was doing a research project on Al Qaeda and bombs. And so he kept Google searching stuff about Al Qaeda, how they make their bombs, where they use their bombs and like things about them. And then he got put on a no fly list because of it, right? Like objectively, I can look at that and be like, oh, well, you, yeah, they're violating his rights there by looking at those searches. But if it was someone who wasn't him, that person should be caught somehow. And I think if we take a step sooner, we can prevent those things from happening. Final thoughts before we go into our final, final thoughts of hot takes. Marcelo? No, Josh? I think I'm ready. I, I think the, the coldest take is I don't want to go to prison. I already said <laughs> it. Um, prison, prison is bad. Less less prisons. That's a, that's a hotter take. Less prisons. That's a good one. All right. All right well, I'm then ready. we'll be right back with our hot takes. 
All right, Lil Josh, kick us off. I think my hottest take here is that the federal government should prosecute more people because if not, then due process is violated for everyone. Taking a look at, you know, I guess freedom of speech is like our overall topic and like the freedom of the press to look into the government. I think that the federal government should not go after press organizations because they're just reporting on the things that they see. I don't think there's any fault to that. I think that that's a natural occurrence. However, if you are in a position within the government where you are given access to classified materials, and then you take those classified materials, which even Josh Hendricks mentioned, the word there was steal, and then that information is then used and released. I think that is a crime. Now, whether or not that person is morally correct, that's where it gets to the case-by-case basis, which is why we should prosecute those individuals who whistleblow. So that way we can actually see whether or not we allow for these things to happen. I think by not allowing it to go to trial, we essentially just remove everyone's ability to do process and it kind of gets really politicized. I would say the courts should get dramatically less involved because they get involved when the government wants to take action to engage in some form of cover-up or otherwise act on their self-serving behalf in the same sense that they're spying on all of us for their own self-serving behalf. Because at the end of the day, innocent people shouldn't be put on trial. If we look at the consequences of someone's actions and we see how they play out and we see if they were responsible and went to proper news outlets who then verified all of the data, diligently checked them make sure that they were just going to embarrass the government and not hurt everyone, then that's an innocent person because no one got hurt and the prosecutor shouldn't bring the charges because that happens all the time. Someone makes an arrest, they get it to the front of the prosecutor's office, the prosecutor goes, this is an absolute waste of the court's time, throws it out then and there, makes the decision but for everyone. Sometimes the judge does that. The prosecutor brings it in, the judge looks at it and goes, this is nonsense, throws it out. There are several stages where there are single acting authority figures in the government's prosecution where they just put things aside. And so that's why we need to look at how this impacts out because earnestly, like we should not be wasting the federal circuit's time. They're full of like stuff already. If it's not hurting anyone, we don't need to be having these people. We're wasting the jury's time. Um, They shouldn't have to have that if we already all, all know that. And you can see that by how uh, it impacts out. The federal government spying on us. It's, it's not okay. Um, We shouldn't let them do it. There's not a price that's worth our privacy and our freedom. There's nothing that can buy that. I think the hottest take I have to offer is that I've never agreed so much with OG Josh on an episode. (laughs) Uh, So let me just, let me paint a picture here real quick. So if you hate being called away from your job and your ability to actually make money to be called into jury duty, imagine that times a million, if we just start prosecuting everyone, like if you increase the amount of people who are prosecuted, you got to remember they face a jury of their peers and that includes us. So that does take away just to kind of extrapolate on OG Josh's point about clogging up the court systems. It's not just that these people might sit in prison or that they go through this arbitrary trial. We have to preside over that. So that takes away from our time. It takes away from the uh, judge's time. It takes away from what should actually be prosecuted. So my next hot take, the First and Fourth Amendments have priority. As the founding constitutional doctrine, they can't just be arbitrarily violated because the government can claim security. In fact, this is what has to take precedence or else the government can become, this is where authoritarian governments come from, where they just arbitrarily suspend your rights. There has to be a triggering mechanism that is justified in specific instances where then your rights are suspended. If you are arrested for a crime, of course, your rights are suspended, but you have done something to cause that. The main issue and why Snowden blew the whistle on the federal government is because there wasn't a triggering mechanism because it extended well beyond 9-11. So I'm going to summarize that next by saying that whistleblowers have to be protected. Actually, whistleblowing in organizations is something that I study. And what it does 
does is it holds people accountable. Managers are held accountable. The organization is held accountable for what it's doing. Why would the largest organization, the United States federal government, be exempt from that? I, I just, I don't think that they should be. So I do agree with uh, Lil Josh on his point of selective prosecution. You can't just arbitrarily pick and choose who to prosecute. It does need to be more consistent, but that should be a specific standard is set and then that is upheld. We can't just risk convicting people because if you're put on trial and the fact finders are the jury and the jury says, well, clearly they blew the whistle. Well, then we have a sentence that's going to be there that then has to be commuted. So the larger issue here, in my opinion, this is my last hot take, is that the federal government's violations and overstepping of either American citizens' rights or other people's rights for any reason, uh, particularly if there is not a triggering mechanism, that is the main issue. And that is what should be addressed. It shouldn't be taken out on the whistleblowers. My first hot take, it's not even a take, it's just a fact, is that I cannot be called to jury duty. So that will never be a problem. You lucky. Well, <laughs> I mean, never say never, but right now it's not a problem. I think of the situation as a, as a problem of trust, right? And like, I feel like with government, we talk a lot about trust. So here we go, another trust take. That's the idea that we have to trust the government enough to believe that they're doing right by us, even though that's not true. <laughs> and the government also has to trust us enough to make sure that we're not going to do anything bad to it. Also not true. So it, it's always like a delicate balance on how much can each body, like the populace or the government, can trust each other. If you lean too heavily on one side, then you obviously you end up with the government spying on everyone because you know you have nothing to hide. But then if you swing to the other side, you have the government being like, well, I should keep my secrets because my secrets are important. Your secrets are not that important. So I guess my hottest take today is that I found that I am much more comfortable with believing in a system that I feel like should work. Because like, again, I, I know that we talked about the justice, like the courts, and I, I hate the courts. Allegedly, I hate the courts. But I would much rather have a system put in place to even determine, like, you know, the safety, like the national security risk of these leaks. I'm not saying, like, take everyone to trial, but I'm saying take what they do to trial, right? Like, I would I would much rather have what they did, like the evidence of their whistleblowing taken to, like, a court where they could consciously decide if this was a risk or not, rather than have, like, some CIA office review the documents and then come out and say, like, yeah, we think this is a bad idea, so we should take them to trial. That, to me, just doesn't seem very fair for those people again don't maybe don't take all of them to trial because that's a waste of time but at least have a body that is assumedly neutral to analyze these things because i do believe that if you don't get that then you're gonna have a lot of what we have right now which is people just doing things for political reasons and then being convicted or not based on their politics as well all right well merry christmas from all of us and we'll see you next week uh, thank you, Josh. Little Josh, again for joining us. I'm sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars. Goodbye for now.